All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Can't think of a better place to be. Even better than in my home watching the Seahawks beat the Atlanta Falcons, which sounds like a really good place to be in my sweats. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that loves to do those things. Last night I watched uh, Alabama win, which was a total bummer for me. I do not like Alabama, but in my sweats, I know it, 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 it's hard. I mean, they have an elephant as their mascot. It's ridiculous. Who has an elephant? Roll Tide, Crimson, whatever. Whatever, get out of here, Alabama. But with as great and awesome as it is to watch a football game in my sweats, nothing compares to the, to the Lord. Nothing compares to church being able to be here with you this morning. Last week we we talked about um, killing the cows and burning the plows. Remember that? Anyone? That's a good bumper sticker, right? Kill the cows, burn the plows. Uh, I love it. And in fact. We talked about the, the reality of what that phrase was, is to leave everything behind, everything and anything behind that would prevent us from following God and moving forward. That's what kill the cows, burn the plows was talking about. And I've, I've encouraged this week. I know we, we joked about two people raising their hands. I've actually heard several stories this week about people moving forward, about you listening to the voice of God, obeying his word, taking those next steps into what he has called you to do. I'm very excited about what God is doing in this church. If the series is really speaking to you, I'd encourage you, and if you want to dig a little deeper, I'd encourage you, buy a book. It's what this whole series is inspired by. It's a book called Greater, which is on the life of Elijah. The book is Greater by Stephen Furtick, F-U-R-T-I-C-K. I bought it with my Kindle. It was eight bucks. I thought it was a well-spent eight dollars. And again, it's called Greater by Stephen Furtick, F-U-R-T-I-C-K. Today we're going to be talking about digging ditches, and I'll explain what that means. But before we do, I just want to say this. I'd encourage you to listen to this sermon and listen to this message through the lens of your greatest need. Listen to the day through the lens of your greatest need. Experience today through the lens of your greatest need. It's my prayer that God today would minister to you in a very special way. So first I want to set the context for today. We're going to be looking at the story of three kings and they join forces to do battle against the Moabites. Three against one. So they're thinking this should be easy. We're going to get this decisive victory. But in life, as most of you know, things don't always go as planned. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? You think you got it all figured out, then whoops. Right? It doesn't go as planned. And this happens to the three kings. In fact, instead of winning easily, they find their troops. They are marching for seven days, wandering in the desert, and they realize they are completely and totally out of water. They are about to die of thirst. Their animals are going to die of thirst. They have a very significant need. This story is going to teach us a very, a very important principle. If you have notes, write this down, because this is actually good news for most of us in this room. It is this. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. I want to say that again. It's easier to say than to believe. <laughs> Your greatest need often becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Today I pray that the scriptures that we go through would bring this powerful truth to light. But before we go any further, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, your word sometimes just challenges the heck out of us. <laughs> In fact, your words sometimes exhaust us. But God, we know that you love us, that you care for us. 
that you are the God who is the great provider, who is here to provide for our needs. And so, Lord, we come to you because you truly, Lord, are the fount of all blessings. And so we seek you this morning through your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go and open up to 2 Kings chapter 3. You're going to want sermon notes today, so if you need sermon notes, would you raise your hands up high? And if you need, you're also going to want a pen, so raise your hands. We'll get you a pen and sermon notes. We got one down here. Anybody else? All right. Has anyone seen my wife today? She's here? All right. Love you, Mary, wherever you are. I won't go there. I had something else to say, but. <laughs> so we're going to start chapter three. We're going to start with the first uh, couple chapters, nine or verses nine through twelve. Here's what verse nine says. So the king of Israel, he set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So these are our three kings. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for their animals with them. They are in trouble. Verse 10, what, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? In other words, we, we thought we were going to win easily, but now it looks like we're going to be destroyed. But Jehoshaphat, jumping Jehoshaphat, one of the kings, he asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elijah, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Now, if you missed last week, we talked a little bit about Elijah, right? Elijah, he was the mentor of Elijah. And if you know about the prophet Elijah, when the great nation was in a drought, he called on God. God sent a cloud that started as the size of a hand, and it brought one of the biggest storms from one of the smallest clouds. So they're thinking, wow, if Elijah could do that, maybe Elijah could help us as well. Verse 12, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with Elijah. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, let's make sure we get what's going on here. Three kings, they're going to battle against the Moabites. They're going to win easily. Now, it looks like they're not going to. In fact, they find themselves in big danger. They are out of water. Now, notice these kings, these three kings, they weren't first seeking God, right? And all of a sudden, though, they're in trouble. And they do what a lot of us do, right? We haven't been seeking you, God, but, oh, we need you, God. We're in trouble. God, could you help us out? So they start looking around. Is there anybody who's like really in good with God? I mean, anybody who can do a little rain dance or pull some spiritual strings and they're like, oh, yeah, there's that one guy, right? Elijah, he's the prophet. Maybe he can help us out. And surely they had heard of the miracles that Elijah had done. He had already separated the Jordan. I mean, this is pretty impressive. He divided the Jordan River. Another time he spoke to a polluted spring of water. The, you drink the water, you get sick or you die. So he speaks to it and he heals it, puts some salt in there and, and, and the water is healthy and good. Another time he was hanging out and these young boys, they're making fun of him. They're mocking him. Evidently, he didn't have a lot of hair. So these boys are like, come on, baldy, baldy. Go away, Baldy. They're just they're totally making fun of him. Elijah, he loses his cool. Cool. He summons these two bears out of the woods. The bears destroy the, the boys, 42 of them. No joke. That's in your Bibles. Read your Bible sometime. It's pretty good. So Elijah, he's got it going on. And so these kings, they're like, Elijah, can you help us out? But Elijah, he's going to come back at them with some attitude. He's got some attitude. He's like, okay, boys, so you ignore God. Now you're in trouble. 
and you come to him to rescue you. He's going to come on with a little attitude. You know where he got the attitude from? Anybody know where he got the attitude from? His mentor, Elijah, you bet. Elijah was the king of attitude. Remember Elijah. He was, he was hanging out with the 450 false prophets who worshiped the false god Baal. And he said, boys, let's have a little contest, right? Let's just see how big your god is. We're going to get two bulls. I'm going to kill one. You kill one. We're going to make a couple of altars, right? You call on your god to send fire from heaven. If your god doesn't and my god does, we worship my god. If your god does but my god doesn't, we'll worship your god. Those boys, those false prophets, they're yelling out, right? Send fire, send fire. They're calling out to Baal, send fire. Nothing's happening. You can just see Elijah sitting back, his feet up, laughing, chillaxing, saying, come on. Maybe you need to shout a little louder. Maybe your God's deaf. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God's in the bathroom and he can't hear you. That's in the Bible, no joke. Read your Bibles, it's that good. It's in there, I promise you. So Elijah, he does what Elijah did. He got an attitude. Watch, here's what it says in verse 13. Elijah said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? You guys have been ignoring God this whole time. and Why do you want to involve me? He says, go to the prophets of your father and go to the prophets of your mother. Can you hear the attitude? He's even getting your mama into the conversation. No. The king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Then Elijah said, and now he's going to be a smart aleck once again. He says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve. In other words, boys, you're not serving him as I am. I just want to put that little dig in there. He says, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve. If I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. So he's saying to the two kings, okay, so if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't have the time of day to pay any attention to you. That's what I think about you. But because of Jehoshaphat and because he's here, I've decided to help you out. You need a prophet. I'm your prophet. Verse 15, he makes a demand. He says, but now bring me a harpist. Okay, boys, you want me to prophesy? I need some good music. Give me a harpist. Give me somebody who's good. Have them play a little background music and I will prophesy. For those of you who are followers of Christ, we understand this. This makes sense to us to, to, to need some worship music. I mean, we just worship the Lord. There's something that happens when our hearts drift towards God and praise and adoration and worship. In fact, if you have Pandora, who has Pandora? Pandora, you just type in, right? Praise and worship. And you can have praise and worship songs playing all day long. By the way, there's now a Dan Bursch Pandora radio station, which is pretty cool. So type in my name and you can hear some, some other worship songs. But I put worship music on all the time because it helps me connect to God. When I'm praying about something really big and I just want my faith to grow, I put worship music on and it connects me to God. So here's, this is exactly what Elijah does. He's got, you know, Chris Tomlin playing the harp over there. And the three kings, they're like, all right, now he's going to give us a word of encouragement. He's going to tell us that God is going to send the rain. Right? I mean, you got the music playing. Chris Tomlin's, he's doing how great is our God over there. And, and, and this is going to be good. But what does he do? Does he bring a word of encouragement? No. In fact, he gives them a ridiculous command. Verse 15, verse 16. Then it happened. When the music played, then the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus says the Lord. Read it aloud with me. What did he say? He said, Make this valley full of ditches. Huh? 
Wait, 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 wait. I thought God was going to send the rain. I mean, you're going to tell me that when my troops are about to die of thirst, you want them to do manual labor under the hot desert sun? Yes, I want them to dig some ditches. But there's no sign of rain anywhere. We're in a severe drought. I want you to dig some ditches. But I want you to dig some ditches. We're going to see that your greatest need often becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Then Elijah, he continues, verse 17, it gets pretty good. For this is what the Lord says, you will neither see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. And then verse 18, this is cocky, he says, and this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, you have no idea how powerful, how strong, how mighty our God is. In the snap of a finger, our God can do this. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And you know that thing that you wanted, the other thing? Yeah, he's going to do that as well. He's going to deliver Moab into your hands. But first, I want you to dig some ditches. So that's the story. And for the rest of our time together, I want to try to apply that directly to our lives. What does this story mean for us today? In your notes, I put a subtitle. It says, Faith That Works. Everybody say, Faith That Works. So we're talking about faith that works. And I... There's a play on words here, and it's an intentional play on words. I'm talking about one faith that is effective, right? In other words, faith that moves the heart of God and evokes response from God. Faith that works. At the same time, I'm I'm not just talking about faith that is effective, but I'm talking about faith that is active, right? An active faith. Faith that works. Faith that does something. Faith that so believes that God is going to act that we get up, we take a step toward God, knowing that God is going to take a step towards us. So let me give you two principles on faith that works. First one, if you're taking notes, only God can send the water, but sometimes he expects you to dig the ditches. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he expects you to dig the ditches. Listen to James. This is a good one. James 2:26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without what? Without good works. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants to see your faith. He wants you to dig a ditch. Now, do you really think the God of the universe needed these boys out there digging a ditch? No, God can do anything. I mean, have you seen the ditches that God has dug? The Grand Canyon, the Pacific Ocean. He's really good at digging ditches. If he wanted a ditch, he could have ditches everywhere with just one word. God can do anything. But it's almost as if he is saying, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. You show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Because God loves to see our faith. You see it all over the New Testament. In the Gospels it says, when Jesus saw their faith. And how do you see faith? You see faith in action. When Peter was on the boat and Jesus said, hey, or Peter said, hey, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come and I'll come. And Jesus said, come. What did Peter do? He got out of the boat, right? He got out of the boat. You see faith. Okay, those other 11 boys, you didn't see the faith. But the guy that got out of the boat, you could see his faith. I believe there are so many times when God wants us to participate in his miracle. It's still God's miracle, but he wants us to participate. Does that make sense? So you see it again and again in the New Testament. In the Gospels, there's this guy with a withered hand, right? And what does Jesus say to him? He says, stretch out your hand. In other words, I can heal you, but I want to see that you believe it. 
I mean, what could have Jesus done? He could have taken that and just been like, boom, Jesus power. And boom, just heal him, right? It's Jesus. He could have done that. But instead he said, I want to see your faith. I'm going to heal you. But stretch out your hand. Another time in the Bible, there was this guy. He couldn't walk for years and years. Uh, maybe his whole life. Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I'm going to help you. I'm going to heal you. But hey, guess what? I'm going to ask you to pick up your mat. I'm not going to pick you up. I want to see that your faith has that. I want to see a faith that believes that what I said is going to be true. So he says, get up. And what does the guy do? He gets up. Only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. There's a guy, he was blind from birth. Jesus comes up to him, he picks up some dirt. This is a great story. He spits on it. He rubs it, makes some mud, and he puts it on the guy's eyes, right? It's gross. It works, but it's gross. Jesus says, hey, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. In other words, I'm going to do my part, but I want to see you do yours. You show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Is this making sense? I believe there's just too many people... This is true, that are just waiting for God to show them his faithfulness, but they're not showing God any faith. Just waiting for God to be faithful, yet we are not showing him any faith. If that's you today, I would just encourage you today, take a step of faith. Trust that God is faithful but you got to take a step of faith. You want to heal a relationship that's gone bad? You might have to take a step and forgive them before they ever ask for forgiveness. Or maybe there's somebody and all they've done is just been ugly to you. And you might need to take a step to love them. What's that? You're, you're digging a ditch. I know a lot of people are like, I want my kids to, to love Jesus. I want my kids to be strong Christians. And yet they don't bring their kids to youth group. They often decide to do other things and other activities on Sunday mornings instead of bringing their kids to church. They don't open up their Bibles when they're at home to share God's word with their kids. They don't ever pray with their children. It's like if you want some water, dig a ditch. Be a godly parent. Do something. People say, I want more money. I want more money. Christians are always saying, I need more money. And yet they do not tithe. God gives us a ridiculous principle. I just talked about it in regards to money. Absolutely, completely to the human mind. It's absurd and ridiculous. It's that if we give our best, if we give our first, he will bless the rest. So we tithe. We give God our first 10%. And for those of you who are tithers in this room, we know the supernatural power and the supernatural blessing of God where that 90% with its blessings goes further than the 100% without. It's crazy, right? But it's true. And what are we doing when we're tithing? We are digging a ditch. You're giving to God and you watch as he proves himself to be faithful again and again. Sometimes you got to dig a ditch. Only he can send the water, but he wants you to dig a ditch. I know a lot of single guys out there. I'm not talking about any of you in this room. But, oh man, they just cry out, I want a wife, I want a wife, I want a wife. God, send me a wife. But they're sitting at home waiting for some smoking hot babe to knock down their door, carrying a Bible saying, hey, you big stud, take me to church or lose me forever. And God's looking at them saying, brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Iron a shirt, sell your Xbox, get a full-time job, ask somebody out, buy some flowers, move out of your mom's basement. See, only God can send the babe, but you got to brush your own teeth. That's for free. So only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. 
Second principle is this, if you're taking notes. Real faith. Real faith believes big, but it's willing to start small. Real faith believes big, but it's willing to start small. I, I think I know just too many people who call themselves Christians who are not thinking big enough. This is me. I fall into this trap all the time. But we serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask, think, or imagine. And yet we don't think big. Again, this is me, but we serve a big God. Amen? Amen. But here's the deal. Sometimes even if you're willing to think big, you're not willing to start small. Think about this. How do you dig a ditch? How how do you dig a ditch? In Elijah's time, how do you dig a ditch? One shovel at a time, right? You start small. Would you please read Zechariah 4.10 with me? It says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes you've got to start small. In this room, I know that there are some of you with a big vision. I've talked to you. You've you got these big visions. But where are you going to start? You're going to start small. You're going to start with what's in front of you. You're going to be faithful to what God has given you. You're going to start small. When I was in Spokane, I had the privilege of working alongside a lady named Pastor Laurel Barr. She's an amazing woman. She's an amazing pastor. She grew up with an old, older sister who had Down syndrome, who loved Jesus. Pastor Laurel talks about her sister and how she loved prayer and intercession. She read her Bible regularly. She was passionate about Jesus. In fact, she said that it was her sister who was a tremendous source of inspiration, witnessing to and encouraging Pastor Laurel and her faith during Laurel's early years of marriage. Her sister passed away 15 years ago. Within a couple of years of her passing, Pastor Laurel began to work at Life Center North Church. One day she sat down to have a meeting with her daughter Kelsey, a man named Tim Ray, and some people at the church who were raising children with special needs. Out of that meeting, they realized that God was stirring their hearts to provide something for these families. So they took the first steps to provide something on Sunday mornings during the worship time, during the service, so that the parents and caregivers could attend the church service. Most of these parents or caregivers had experienced being turned away from churches, right? Their kids, they weren't welcome in the Sunday school rooms. And even if they were, the, the volunteers just didn't know how to incorporate them or, or meet their special needs that they had. So without anywhere to put their kids, many of these families were not attending church or involved in any type of church community. Initially, her daughter, Kelsey, she, I love this, she recruited a group of teens who went through first aid training and they became pals for the special needs kids. They knew the individual special needs of each child and they were buddied up with them so they could attend class with them. And this gave the parents or the caregivers an opportunity to attend the church service. And and, and then they got this going. And after it was going for a while, they they began this parent support group that met monthly for parents and caregivers. It included a potluck where these parents and caregivers would be able to talk about the unique challenges that each of them were facing. And they'd finish the time by praying for one another. And then a few years back, they added what they call the friendship group. And this group meets on Sunday mornings, and it's a place for both kids and adults where they can attend together. And this group has flourished. It has blossomed. They have buses bringing these individuals and people from group homes to their church. In the friendship group, they do worship together. They have prayer requests and a prayer time, and someone gives a message. 
When I had the opportunity to preach over there uh, this past summer, I accidentally stumbled upon this group. I, I, it's true. I got lost amongst the hallways and the classrooms. I was trying to find a bathroom. I really had to go, but I couldn't find it. But then all of a sudden, I found this friendship group. It stopped me in my tracks. It was beautiful. I, I told Pastor Laurel, I said, in that room, that room was drenched with God's love and God's spirit. And she told me, you're right. She said, I know that our church has been blessed through the years because of this program. Jesus said that whatever you do for the least of these, you do among for me. She said, this is how I feel when I go into special needs class on Sundays. She says, I feel inspired by them. I feel inspired by these men and women of faith. She says, they are my heroes. She said that this class now averages around 60 people every Sunday morning. In fact, they had 73 this past Sunday, and it's only one of two programs of its kind in the city of Spokane. It's, it's come a long way. I, I have a picture I wanted to show you of what it looked like 10 years ago, if we could put that up. So her daughter is up there, the one smiling, uh, kind of leaning over in the glasses. And these are some of the leaders and some of the kids from 10 years ago. And then this is some pictures from this last Sunday, if we could put, put them up. So... There's just last Sunday. There they're singing some worship songs. And here they are, praising the Lord. Whew. Only God can send the water. Sometimes He wants you to dig a ditch. He wants you to dream big, but start small. I think about in my own life. I, I'm thankful for the gifts and talents that God has given me in the area of music. Through the power of music, I've had incredible opportunities to touch and influence lives. Even recently, God has been opening up doors that I could have never imagined. But with music, what did it all start with? Anyone in music, you would know what it all started with back in the day. Piano lessons. And, and what specific part of piano lessons? Scales. Oh, that's a ditch. <laughs> Scales. And scales, and more scales, and more scales. You can ask my parents. I practice scales at least one hour to two hours every day. I took piano lessons from the age of four to 24. I was very dedicated to playing the piano and practicing. But only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Another story. I've been a pastor, or I had been a pastor for almost eight years before I became the senior pastor. In those eight years... I can count on one hand how many times I'd preached on a Sunday morning. Four. Four times. All of them, by the way, being here. But yet I had this passion to preach. But I just had no one to preach to. <laughs> so what did I do? I preached a thousand times to myself. I mean, I preached in my car, in the shower, in the living room, in the mall, in my office. I mean, full on sermons. Sometimes they were just in my head, right? But then you get kind of fired up and carried away and you just blurt something out. And then Trevin or Mary's like, what did you say? I'm like, oh, nothing, you know, sorry. You know, I kept at it and I would preach my brains out. I preached about Jesus and how you needed to come to him. I preached about how you needed a savior. You needed rescue. You needed forgiveness from your sins. I declared again and again that there was only one way to heaven. And it was through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'd say, amen. <laughs> I never knew how God was going to use all of that. In fact, one time I was in a meeting with a couple of pastors and I told them that I thought I was supposed to be a preacher. But I shared how I was really nervous whenever I even thought about it. It scared me to death to think about actually preaching in front of somebody else. 
But I told them that I thought maybe it was an opportunity for God to be strong in my weakness. But I remember what they told me. They said it was time for me to focus on my strengths instead of my weaknesses. And that not everyone was called to preach. I'll never forget that. That was hard. That was real hard. And with experiences like that and others, I had no idea how I would ever become a preacher. The Lord had also told me that one day I'd become a senior pastor. Yet, how could that ever happen if I never preached? Right? That's a logical question. My wife asked that question. But yet, with 20 other applications on my supervisor's desk, I was appointed as your pastor last August. And I said yes to that appointment. And when I stood up in front of you on that first Sunday, all of a sudden... All of those hours of preaching to myself made sense. And the Holy Spirit fell on me and it resourced me and he gifted me with exactly what I needed. And now I'm preaching almost every Sunday all to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So only God can send the rain, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. And I want to encourage you to to think big, but also be willing to start small. And when you're praying, sometimes you just need to say this out loud to the Lord. God, I believe you You can do this, right? God, I believe you can do this. And then you hear from him and you start where you're at, right? And you just start. Might be a small start, but you start. You got to be, be willing to believe in a big God who can do big things, but you got to be willing to start small. All right, verse 20 of 2 Kings chapter 3. This is it. The next morning about the time for the offering of the sacrifice. You ready? It says, there it was. After they faithfully dug the ditches, the Bible says water was flowing from the direction of Edom. And someone say it with me. And the land was filled with water. Again, only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Some of you right now, you have a very significant need in your life. And you think if only if only God would meet that need, if only God would answer that prayer. Don't you ever forget that your biggest need can become your biggest blessing when it drives you to depend upon God. Don't forget that God loves you. Don't forget that he cares for you. Don't forget that only he can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Lashmi, I just pray for us. I pray that we would be a church full of people who are willing to think big. I'm talking to myself. Be willing to think big in my life, but start small. Long before there's that cloud in the sky or any chance of water. It's ridiculous faith. But that we would have that kind of faith to dig a ditch, knowing that God is faithful. God is faithful to bring the water. And so this is what I want to do. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But in your sermon notes, pull them out. There's two questions at the end. I want to give you some time to answer these two questions. If you need more room, you can always use the back of your sermon notes. First question, what's one big dream for your life that you need God's help to accomplish? Number two, what ditch might God want you to start digging today to turn your dream into a reality? Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Oh, God, thank you. You're so good. Father, I pray that you'd be here. I know that you are, but we just, within our hearts, welcome you here. Welcome you in faith, both corporately, but also individually, Lord. That we'd be different, 
because of your presence, because of your Holy Spirit that's here. And as I pray and as we pray, I just I want to ask three questions. Question number one, I, I wonder how many of you at this moment in your life, you're facing a significant need and you need prayer today. A significant, real need and you need prayer today. If that's you, just by faith, would you lift up your hand right now? Absolutely. Go ahead and put your hands down. Question number two, I wonder how many of you want to have the faith to do something ridiculous, that if God calls you to do it, you would have the faith to dig a ditch or whatever God would call you to do long before you'd ever see God do what he promises to do. If you want God to increase your faith to the level of ridiculous faith, that when he calls you to do it, that you would show your faith and that you would trust him to show his faithfulness. For those of you that would say, I want the kind of faith that honors God, would you lift your hands right now? Amen. Go ahead and put them down. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for these two groups of people. God, for those who are in need today, we pray uh, as a church, Lord, that we hurt with them. Uh, for Early and Bill, Lord, and, and for Gaylene and everyone else, Lord. That, just that, even, uh, even with them sharing, the reality is even now, we don't know the intricate details to every one of these situations. But God, we know that you do. You know us. You care for us. That you love us. That you're here. That you're present. That you're good. God, that you're working all things out. Even though we may not see it or feel it. But we can put our faith in you. And, and you will be faithful to meet us right here. Right now. Speak to us right now. In the place of our greatest need. In our greatest need. For those of us who raised our hands. We ask God for a miracle. That you would meet that need. That you would fill the desert land with refreshing, life-giving water. In Jesus' name, we pray for that. And God, I thank you for giving us the honor. Yes, it's an honor to be able to show our faith to you once again. Again and again, whether it's a good time or a bad time. In all circumstances, Lord, that we would have the honor of showing our faith to you. And I pray that you would give us divine opportunities to do so. God, that when you ask us to do something that is ridiculous and it makes no sense, maybe to forgive someone that's unforgivable, to love someone who seems unlovable, to give when we feel like someone should be giving to us, to trust again when we've been hurt or betrayed. God, whatever form of ditch you have called us to dig, we know and acknowledge that you are all powerful only you can do the miracle only you can send the water but God I pray that when you call us we would have the faith to dig a ditch teach us God stretch our faith that we would believe in you extend our faith Lord God to do exactly what you've called us to do and as we keep praying today third question I'll ask in a moment but it is amazing to think of all that God has done for us and if you want to talk about digging a ditch, if you want to talk about doing something before seeing the result, what God did for us is the greatest example of love in the history of this world. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, in other words, when we least deserved it, when we were mocking God, living our own way, living outside of God's plan, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What did he do? What did God do? God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us to die in our place. To die as the sinless sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And on the third day, the beautiful third day, the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. Jesus rose. Scripture says, now whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Pay attention. He's talking to you this morning. Now whoever calls on the name of the Lord. That includes you. No matter who you are. No matter what you've done. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? It means you are forgiven. God will never hold your sins against you. You are adopted into his family. You become a child of adoption, a child of God by adoption. How do you acquire that status? It's not by works. It's not by good works. 
It's only by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Scripture says that we are made right with God, not by good works, but by His grace through our faith. And there are those of you this morning. There are those of you this morning. It's time for you to put your faith in God, to believe that Jesus was enough, that He is enough. And because of His perfect life, you can be made right with God. For those of you who would say, yes, that's me. I am desperate for His grace. I need His grace. I need His forgiveness. Today, by faith, I live my life to Him, for Him. If that's you, would you lift your hands right now? Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Yes. Some of you might need to even look at me. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? I get it. It's awkward and weird, but God loves you so much. Yes, Lord. Beautiful. Let's pray this together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.